Um, the story's pretty engaging, actually. I was kind of impressed for something that I'm like, all right, Genshin had a had a cobbled together story that I feel like with the expansions is starting to tell something half decent. Where with Honkai, I'm like, so I woke up with a bomb in my chest. Dope. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That that that's about as riveting as um, Fallout New Vegas's opening, where it's like, oh yeah, you're just a guy who got shot in the head, so you you got picked up out of your grave, and you're like, I'm gonna go find the guy who did this. See, you woke up and like, well, looks like my revenge was stronger than your bullet. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, I decided to woke up and choose violence today, so. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is always violence. Stop. It's season fucking three. Commanders. I'm your host, Cole, and today I am joined by Will. Will, how are you doing today? Hello, 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 everybody. I'm doing phenomenal. How about yourself? Doing great. It's nearly the end of the week, and uh, Tears of the Kingdom's coming out very, very, very soon. So, um, uh, you know, hey, <clears throat> I'm a Zelda fan, just so you know. Um, and Will, Same. who who are you, and, and what do you do? Well, you know what? That is, I am an enigma. No, uh, a lot of people would know me out there as Scruffy Nerf Herd. Uh, if you've seen me on that channel, I don't stream there anymore. Where you can catch me is streaming over and doing things over at, at twitch.tv slash magic the dungeoning, where we do magic shows, but mainly uh, we run through a D&D campaign set in the universe of Magic the Gathering. Uh, and at the time of recording, on May 19th, we're actually going to be doing a one-shot set on the plane of Amun Ket during March of the Machines for Praetors for Change. We're really excited about that. So, uh, kind of before we get started, I, I do find I do find it funny how there's that intersection, probably because, you know, the parent companies, but, uh, you know, if people love magic more often than not they love uh, dungeons and dragons in some capacity and then we have crossover sets we had all those oh, yeah. um uh those pdfs that were released when sets were coming out Ixalan, amonkhet um zendikar and everything like that where you could play some of the races uh i love the kaladesh one because they do have the aetherborn in that pdf um and for whatever reason i do recall I don't know how long ago I got to play in an Amonkhet can't well I played one session of like an Amonkhet thing and uh, I can't exactly remember what happened I made a human battle master and uh always strong felt not sure I don't, I don't know there was just so I can't remember if it was actually like what exactly happened I just think like timing or something else happened I unfortunately could not Get to properly go off with it. Um, but I was a worshipper of Dejeru. So I was like... Or no, wait, wait, was it just... 
No, sorry, Hazard. Um, or was it? Yeah, it was Hazard. Because Hazard's sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, all those links and everything will be in the notes later in the episode, uh, in the description of the episode. So please go check that out. Um, and uh, what deck are we talking about today? And more specifically, what commander deck uh, format is uh, is your deck designed for? So, uh, you and I had a quick discussion, and we were talking about, like, including uncommon commanders in decks. And so, the deck that I want to discuss today is a deck that I called, is it Aristocrats? Uh, so that's I-Z-Z-E-T, Aristocrats, with a question mark. Because, you know, you don't see those colors ever do that. And so, it's a pauper EDH deck, and it's led by Gut True Soul Zealot who, uh, and hit the her background is that she's a Feywild visitor. So that that's what's in the command zone. It's a it's a red-blue, it, it, funny enough, a, a red-blue aristocrats deck. Uh, and it's very fun and unique, I feel. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had, uh, I've had a lot of experience against, uh, got a true soul zealot, uh, with one of my friends, uh, Bryant, who's been a previous guest on my show here. Um, and what Gut does as this goblin shaman of whenever you attack, you may sacrifice another creature or an artifact. Um, and if you do, you create a 4-1 black skeleton creature token with menace that's tapped and attacking. Um, which, uh, by the way, that 4-1 with menace is actually a lot stronger than you think. Because you're like, hmm, well, I have to commit two creatures to blocking it, which is kind of bad because, like, the value that your opponent gets from killing two creatures with... A freaking four one is just way too much, um, and then you, I have talked about Feywild Visitor before, but for those who don't know, um, it's a background with uh, commander creatures you own have. Whenever one or more non-token creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you create a one-one blue fairy dragon creature token with flying. Um, so there's very obviously the tokens theme, but uh, where did the aristocrats come into this? So, I uh, yeah, when I sat down. Uh, the, story, the quick story time behind this deck uh, is that I played in a couple times in a cube with Adamus Prime, who, uh, shout out to him, he's a great creator, check him out. And uh, in his cube, I drafted Gut, accidentally thinking it was Krark from Commander Legends 1, so I was like, I'll just pick up a partner later on down the road. And then as I looked in my card pool, I went, oh, no, that's gut. And it's just choose a background. And the next pack that came to me had Feywild Visitor in it. And I went, we're going blue. We're going blue. We snap blue in the middle of a draft. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was such a dedication. So there were the, the deck was kind of all over the place. It was kind of just an aggressive red blue deck. And so I thought about playing the token idea where I would play uh, common creatures who would come down and make tokens in some fashion or form, use those to smack my opponents to create the fairy dragons to then have the evasive flyers hit and kill people. But I was like, that's too boring. What I'd rather do is have a blue red deck that cares about things dying um, and so I found out that blue actually cares a lot 
about things leaving the battlefield and not caring how they leave and uh, not caring how they leave yeah yeah that's true it's so, if there's any color combination like there's obviously a lot of things too many things care about things dying but there is definitely a select few cards that care about things leaving yeah the last time i played this deck i played against like three actual like they were they were tuned and ready to go and I drew cards the best, and I was like, I don't know what that says about my deck or about your decks, and I'll figure that out later. Um, but yeah, so the the deck will do things. Um, I play things like Goblin Instigator, Grim Initiate, and uh, Blood Petal Celebrant because those are so for like Goblin Instigator will come in makes a token, so I could swing with two things sack the token to make the four one mm -hmm. and then the non-token hopefully is the thing that hits makes me a blue fairy dragon that i could use to sack to continue because turning a, a one one flyer into a four one with menace is just as relevant yeah if not more so. yeah like i i i i've uh, keywords on okay let, let's back up a second here so creatures uh, I'll continuously go on record here. I know there are a lot of people who play Commander, and whether that's regular Commander, Popper, Artisan, CDH, whatever it happens to be, that enjoy playing instants and sorceries or like just like combos more above all anything else than creatures, which I find really funny because Commander more like 95% of the time you're going to have a creature into the command zone yeah we got backgrounds now um we obviously have a handful of planeswalkers that, that we can put there but like for the most part it's going to be creatures and creatures with keywords are going to be incredibly relevant if you're being attacked but your creatures have vigilance first strike you obviously got a defensive wall if your creature has flying obviously yeah it's going to get over most things early or late if, if people don't have the relevant keywords like reach or flying to block it um and Menace, as I've found, really makes people sit there and, and have to actively think about the decision to to block it or not. And sometimes people are like, it's just not worth it. And I find that incredibly funny. Um, so yeah, Men for one smith with Menace, you watch out. Yeah, and it's like, if you kill the form with Menace, I probably took something with me. Yes, always. Uh, if I didn't, it's because you played a combat trick that I definitely wasn't expecting. Uh, so the deck the deck does win through uh, the means of combat. It, it, I'm, I'm, to my knowledge, I'm not going to win any other way besides the fact of, like, lightning bolting you in the face. But then you have to lightning bolt, like, I don't know, a bunch of times. <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just like decks that um, I, I just, for me, when it comes to building a deck, I look at that color, go, okay, what does that color want to do? And then go, okay, what does that deck color not want to do? And then that's when I start building off of. And I'm like, hmm, gut wants to sack things and Feywild Visitor makes tokens. It's all coming together. It's good enough. Good enough. We're cooking. Yeah. We're cooking now. Yeah, and that's like I play some cards in the deck. Uh, the one thing I caught somebody off guard with was I play uh, Bloody Betrayal in the deck. So what I do is uh, removal at the common level is not great. 
but I've got removal built on my commander. People just don't see it. I will take your creature. Oh, yeah. The good old it. steal and sack strategy. I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, goat napping is even is, is a great card. And I'm like, ah, goat napping, because that's what I want to do. Well, um, I mean, heck, you get to take control of it and, and you know. Well, anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Keep going here. Keep going. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I, so there is some token generation in, in the deck because turning small tokens into bigger tokens is is just fine to do. So, like, you know, there's Dragon Fodder, there's Goblin War Party, there's Cranko's Command, and those all just pump out 1-1s. If I can sack a 1-1 and turn it into a 4-1 with Menace, it's significantly better already. Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, so that's what the deck's trying to do. It does pull in a couple different ways, but ultimately the strategy is I care about they're the tokens that I make to make them bigger. Like the deck doesn't make anything I think above a one one. I'm doing a quick look at and like, uh, no, no I think, like I think like makes, makes something something might might have I don't know two toughness and something might have three power, but the tokens themselves are always some kind of oh, one yeah. one variation or something like you know Grim Initiate, a card that I keep seeing looks fantastic in foil, by the way, um, and obviously like you know. A uh, one mana one one with first strike is great, but if it dies, it amasses one, and like you know that that could be something. But yeah, in this case, most things are probably going to be above being a basic, basic boring one one, which is fine. Oh yeah, no, it's like and even and that's that was the other idea is that creatures that can replace themselves are awesome for this deck. So like Grim Initiate, Mog War Marshal, and Mirsire are things that. When they die, they re they replace themselves. So mm -hmm. yes, they lose out on the damage of actually hitting the person. Say they're open, but realistically, all I did was change this one one with first strike into this four one with menace. Don't worry about it. It's only gonna hurt a lot. It's only gonna hurt a lot. I I've uh, yeah no I f the whenever whatever they were cooking in uh in des in design phase they were like you know it'd be really great they're like yeah what uh i don't know four one skeletons with menace you're like okay so what can we do with that well it turns out when guts repeatedly making them every turn and you know okay token doubling in these colors okay not yeah yeah, yeah. um still really powerful when you're like all right so we go to four then we go to eight then we go to twelve and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. It's just brutal to try to deal with that. Just everybody who listens to this, just be thankful I can't just sack as many artifacts and creatures as I want. Because I would lose my entire board to make the four ones. Yeah, my buddy, my, my, buddy, my buddy Brian has the, um, oh god, what's the background that that deals damage when you sack an artifact or a creature. Oh, Scion of Halister? No, that is the look at the top two. One. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, Agent of Agent of Shadows? Agent of like the Iron Throne. Agent of the Iron Throne, that's it. Yes, so yeah. Um, Which is realistically the color the, the color combination gut should be. Should be, yeah. But, you know, who's, 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 who's figuring that out? But yeah. Uh, four ones constantly relevant, and especially in a in in a in a very restrictive format and deck building style as Popper Commander, um, 
Like you, you're pretty much slim picking. So you're, I imagine creatures are, are a lot stronger in this environment. Oh yeah. So uh, I'll say this. The biggest thing that stood out to me that was hard to do was the card draw aspect. Cause I was like, I'm having things come in. Maybe I go with a green background instead to start putting in those. Hey, when a creature ETBs, Bees, draw a card. Draw those, card are all, yeah. those are all rare. But like oh. that was incredibly <laughs> difficult. Uh, it's, but the, to the thing for me was like um, deep analysis is a card that I don't see a lot of. I love that card. It's deep deep card draw card. Deep analysis and and of course all the bullish heads know what deep analysis is. Oh, yeah. um, for four mana, target player draws two cards and for a flashback of one in blue and paying three life, which. I mean, in Commander, I mean, who gives I me? Mean, you're drawing two cards. Um, exactly. Yeah, I I do have an appreciation of deep analysis. I mean, like, it's six mana, draw four over the course of a game. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think it's it's fantastic. It's a great fit for this type of deck and for, for that cost and value. I yeah, Like, one of the cards I overlooked, I overlooked this card hard when it came out in M20, I think it was. Yeah, M20 mm-hmm. uh, was Winged Words. Yes. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, two and a blue for a sorcery. It just says draw two cards, but it says the spell costs one less to cast if you control a creature with flying. And my background just so happens to make creatures with flying. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's fin- beautiful. It's it's a, it was um I remember I can't remember what the standard environment was really like around that point but I made um probably awful oh yeah no so I played arena and it had um those cloudkins uh where oh yeah cloudkin seer yeah the uh, ones where ETBs draws you a card draws you a card put that right in there freaking and then uh put in I can't remember like it was a terrible deck that was like flying mono blue matters put wing words words in because i gotta start drawing cards somehow and this is gonna be the way to do it on an arena budget and sure enough it works like it it did the job it's exactly oh yeah what i needed it, it's hard to it's hard to get that kind of value out of out of a two mana card even in commander like you usually gotta i wouldn't necessarily say dig super deep but it's just it's it's just a good old um knight's whisper at that point I, I can tell you that as far as the commanders are concerned, um, a lot of people will probably say, oh, you turn the one with, ones one with flying into four ones with menace. I actually try my best not to do that in this deck. Flyers are so relevant in honestly any format. Yes. You generally have a good picking as to who you want to smack for value if you have a flyer. And it's it's really funny when people go i have this four four trampler but you have 16 baby dragons with flying (laughs) i just can't get through that and i'm like yeah why'd you turn this into skeletons because they're my friends (laughs) i don't turn my friends to skeletons i turn the cannon fodder to skeletons yeah it's i always i always find the imagery of commander very funny of like all right so regardless of like the power level and the intent or whatever. You're like, all right, I cast this bird. You're like, yeah. You're like, I put six pieces of equipment on this bird. You're like, what? You put swift foot boots and like three swords of X and Y's on it. And you put uh, like, like, it's just the, the, and then you're like, I'm going to sacrifice these. 
uh, dragons, these like tiny little fairy dragons into skeletons. You're like, how is that one to one? That doesn't make any sense. You're like, it doesn't matter. It's magic. I, have you played have you played the Baldur Gate game on the computer? It doesn't need to make sense. It just it just it's how it works. All right. Just trust us on that. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so and like so another thought I actually had when looking at this deck is I was like, ooh, unearth or undying. Or persist. Or persist, really yeah. Cool. Um, there's not a ton of that at the common level. There is one that I found. It was near, uh, near Heath Stalker. It's four and a red for a four one vampire rogue that has undying. So you're like, oh, that's awful. Not my sack it, make a four one that's swinging, and it comes back as a five two. Yep. It's, uh, I mean, like, you are literally, like, I'm not saying you're scraping at the bottom of the barrel, because there's been a lot of things that have been printed oh, across, yeah. like, numerous rarities anyway. But, like, in this particular situation, like, if, 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 if PDH or Popper EDH or Popper Commander or whatever you want to call it, and maybe it's not a one-to-one -one translation for, like, Popper as a format, but, like, this is draftchaff.deck. And this is where Nearheath Stalker comes in clutch of like, oh, I get to have a relevant body, I get to sack it to make another relevant body, and then also increases power, and then maybe in a pinch sack it again. Like that's that's incredibly useful in this case. It, it uh, building around this style of wanting to swing to make fairy dragons, and ultimately trying to use a color combination that doesn't know how things are supposed to die is just very funny to me because like when i when i initially put this together in the pod i was like there is no way this deck is going to work and i think i came in second i just lost to the war of attrition to a green black deck and i'm like uh oh no i'm sorry i lost to a mardu's humans deck and i was like okay I don't know if you can hear that. I'm so sorry. I live with my partner, and she's screaming right now. Uh, is there my something? Apologies. Go no, no, that's fine. Is there something going no, on? No, she's on. She, she's on a stream playing one of my texts. Okay, okay. It's, uh, she. Okay, sorry. She's having a moment. My apologies. Uh, building a deck in this color combination with uh red blue is just very funny to me because like. You'll sit here and you go, ah, red, black, and black, green, and, and, and white, black, the aristocrat colors. And I just show up at the table and go, I'm in blue, red. You cast spells? What the hell are spells? <laughs> What's that? We only cast creatures here. You're like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean you cast creatures? I mean, I cast creatures. Uh, Here's there, the enforcers. There's... Um... There's the one card that I see here. Uh, there's a card that I always keep um, wanting to put in. Like, I've had it in mono red um, Aristocrats decks myself. I made, like, a Dargo Kedis, quote-unquote, like, Aristocrats deck with, like, hissing uh, the Hissing Iguanar, which is on the list here. Uh, yeah. Vicious, Vicious Shadow, Stalking, um, Stalking Vengeance. Like, things that cared about things dying in red which is a lot which is not zero surprisingly uh but hissing iguanar uh being a three mana three one that's just whenever another creature dies you may have the iguanar deal one damage to target creature or planeswalker which is uh really relevant it's it's super relevant 
<laughs> yep. I I run this as a combo alongside Witty Roastmaster, which I don't know why the hell that guy is a common. Uh, uh because uh the draft environment for um uh uh new capenna was super duper weird and don't worry about it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh in this deck he's hilarious. Uh so there was a couple of of things like that because uh impact tremors is on is a common yep that's I correct was like why are you a common because dragons so... of because cons of tarkir block was also very silly <laughs> um is i actually the other side of this was do i just focus on creatures or do i run some artifacts as well in this deck so looking at gut's ability i was like I could probably just use artifacts for ramp in this. Uh, the common artifact ramp cycle is not terrible. It's also not great either. Because uh, it turns out Arcane Signet is a common. Yep. That's not surprising. Uh, it's Soul Ring has never been a common. Yeah. I don't it's really foresee that ever uncommon. being printed at common rarity in any type of supplemental it set. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. And like, uh, so the question was artifact wise, what do I do with this deck? And so I didn't mind putting a ton of ramp cards in there, like sphere of the suns. Normally, unless you're in proliferate deck and can make and can move the charge counters up so you can consistently use it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're great card. never going to be using it. In this case, you can sacrifice it to make it a skeleton after using it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Then we're in business. Okay, great. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, why would you play Wayfarer's Bobble? You're already fine on lands. Well, it's a one-mana artifact like in Sack. And so all the artifacts, like a prize statue, when I first saw that thing, I was like, this is the weirdest piece of things I have ever seen come out of a set. And then as soon as I built Gut, I went, oh my god, you're the greatest thing yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> who knew Who knew that a two-mana artifact, that when it enters and is put in the graveyard, that makes a treasure... Because, you know, treasures are, like, the greatest thing magic's ever made or the worst thing magic's ever made, depending on your opinion. Uh, it's super relevant in, like, artifact decks, especially, because if you can recur it. But in this case, like, yeah, this is this is a super neat pick to, to put in this type of deck. It, it, I, my quick opinion on treasures is that they're both good and bad for the format. Mm -hmm. We ain't got time to unpack that bag. Uh, no, we don't. But, <laughs> we do no, not. <laughs> no, I, I, I am one of those people that play the strategy you're going to play. I will play against anything. Infect, toxic. Your your rule zero. You're doing uh, attractions and throwing hats across the across the thing. Sure, bring it. Uh, I don't play those decks, but absolutely, I'm not going to stop people from wanting to play these things. Mm -hmm. uh, treasures. In this deck, though, are phenomenal. <laughs> let's let's take that opinion and throw it out specifically for this deck because oh, oh no, boy. I'll, stand, I'll stand by that. I'll stand by that. Uh, I'll stand by that statement. But uh, they are great because like unexpected windfall in the early game can help me draw cards and still keep me mana equivalent, mm -hmm. so that I can keep the game rolling. Where in the late game. It's drawing me cards and making things that can turn into skeletons. That gut 
loves those artifacts that aren't going to stick around forever. That's why uh, quite a few things in the deck actually make blood. Because blood... Blood is one of those oh, things... Oh, don't get me started I... on blood tokens. <laughs> blood is one of those things when I first looked at it, I was like, these are awful. They're like bad clues. And now that I've played with them for quite some time, I'm like, God, why do you have so much blood? I hate you. I wish I had it. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> episode of my... Of blood, uh, Audric Blood Curse, aka Blood Drake. Uh, blood tokens are great, fantastic. You, you know what? You get full credit for playing that man. <laughs> <laughs> full marks across the board. I it, like, I, I, I. A lot of people were like, "Oh, how they massacred my boy!" And it's like, you have no idea. Yeah, he's words so are in Boros. It's so good. It's ridiculous. Like, uh, uh, you're, he's in the he's in the colors to flicker. I've 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 won quite a few commander games with that Audric deck recently, and I can tell you for sure that the, the deck, the the card slabs. Oh hey, let's put. Anyway, we're getting way too deep into it. That's a whole, that was a whole other episode. Go watch, go listen to that episode after this one. But anyway, yeah, blood token, blood tokens, treasure tokens, anything that makes additional artifact tokens in this deck, on top of making creatures or other creature tokens to sack into one uh, four ones, always relevant, fantastic. Uh, then the the final part of the deck building was, okay, I'm making the four ones, I'm swinging with tokens and non-tokens, I'm sacrificing things. Uh, like I put it, like, like like you mentioned, there's got the Hissy and Guanar, the Witty Roastmaster. How do I get the rest of the deck to come home? So to go with the Witty Roastmaster and the Hissy and Guanar, uh, I run Impact Tremors. Mm -hmm. So that uh, the skeletons coming in and the fairy dragons coming in will hurt all my opponents i also run raid bombardment yes because it turns out swinging those one two power one and two power creatures still deals the damage and then i sack them to bring in the four ones that will hit and do damage hopefully uh so then the final part of it was i need to make sure my mana fixing was good mana fixing is one of the easiest ways the easiest ways to make a deck stronger. I yeah. Stand by that statement till the day I die. <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, do not disagree with that. Uh, and so when I was building it, I was like, I'm just going to run all basics. And so I ended up putting in Prismari Camp, Is It Guildgate, Molten Tributary, and Swift Water Cliffs, and Volatile Fjord. Because I was like, probably have the mana fixing. But the three most important lands in that deck are Silver Bluff Bridge, to the cyanide and great furnace because they are artifact lands mm -hmm. so if i mana screwed i'm sacking lands to make skeleton let's do this yeah just, I, just go if, all in <laughs> if i have to lose my lands you have to lose your life uh and that's that's just where it is so i i love gut and and Feywild. i haven't gotten to play it much it still needs to be sleeved up because i'm a terrible deck owner uh but it's one of those things where I love this deck because it it's one of the few decks I have that hits the table and everybody goes, that was fascinating to watch. Whether they win or lose, they're, they're like, that was one of the weirdest games of Magic I've ever played. And I go, yeah, I know. Then it was weird piloting it. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I love it's, that. Uh, there's always um, like kind of not exactly the same thing, but uh, I, I have a Teshar um oh god i can't remember the full title i got a teshar deck if you know what teshar is great 
Uh, it's mono white. Uh, mono white one. Yeah. Yeah. Not Moira and Teshar. I don't. I'm not touching that. So, uh, but but mono white Teshar. There's a couple things that I've added to it. Three cards. Um, and just give me a second to bring it up. But I made it into a a mono white aristocrats list. Um, and what I want to do is I want to find a couple of creatures, uh, Perilous Mirror and, uh, the White Exarch, um, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Inquisitor Exarch. Uh, when Perilous Mirror, Perilous Mirror dies, deals two damage, and whenever the Inquisitor Exarch enters the battlefield, uh, choose one, you gain two life, or target opponent loses two life. Um, and then during some time around Zendikar... Uh, the Return... Rising? Zendikar Rising. Uh, okay. There was that, like, cycle of, like, party matters, like, uh, artifacts. Um, and one of them uh, cared about clerics, uh, where if a creature died under your control, you gain a life and your opponent your opponent Oh, the, the vile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute, like, good old Relic Vile, good old three-mana artifact that you can pay to, sack a creature to draw a card, and then if you control a cleric, deal, you know, uh, like, you know, that that is incredibly relevant and also incredibly hilarious to have in a mono-white deck when you really expect that in, like, a mono-black or Rakdos deck. Um, so having color combinations do something that's so completely out of its wheelhouse with whatever limited means that you have, or just simply no one was a genius, no one was playing 4D chess enough to like put the put this together. But <laughs> but also like at this rarity, like it, it like at this type of color combination, doing what you do, like it's perfect. It's exactly what it's, you need. It's it, it it's always one of those fun things because uh, blue has got. I think there's only two cards in this deck. Sorry, there's three blue cards in this entire deck that actually care about the word, specifically the word dying. Mm-hmm. And the other the other four to five of them say when they leave the battlefield. My favorite one that is the oddest of all of, because the, the rest of them are like, when they die, draw a card. Yeah. Like Oculus, Palace Familiar, and Trove, Track, uh, Trove Tracker, and Surveilling Sprite all just say, when they die, draw a card. Ring Skipper was the oddest card i've ever seen in my good life. old good old ring skipper it is one in a blue for a creature wizard it has flying and when ring skipper is put into a graveyard from play clash with an opponent if you win return ring skipper to its owner's hand though so for those out there who don't know what clashing is because it's a it's a very old thing that would happen uh each clashing player reveals the top card of his or her library that puts that card on the top or bottom a player wins if his or her card had a higher converted mana cost the beautiful thing about this deck is that its curve is pretty low i want to say the highest mana card in here is five and it's no yeah, but like, it's what if, if we're talking about popper? What's the highest mana value on average for for decks that you find? Well, so it all depends because there are people who play the idea of I'm going to play the best commons I can, and those are usually the commons that have a really low mana value. Yeah, where with me, I'm playing things like 
Trove Tracker, Stormbound Geist, and Hissing Iguanar, and you go, the hell are those cards? Well, they were released in sets that you probably weren't paying attention to, and that's okay. The point is it's got a higher mana value, and I get this thing back on top of my deck, and I can sack it next turn. And continue to do this terrible cycle. <laughs> but it's but it's I... but it's terrible for them. <laughs> it it gets even better when I'm when I look at the person. Uh, I have somebody in my in my real life play group and who's part of the matches dungeon with me, Ryan, mm-hmm. who loves. He's as of right now, he plays every single commander, every single legendary creature who can look at the top card of the library. And I was like. I'm, why? And he goes, I love cheating. <laughs> uh, there are, there are like, numerous ways to cheat um, within the confines of magic rules, and it's still uh, it's still legal actions, but uh, it, it sure feels like it's cheating. Oh, yeah. So my favorite would be play something like Ring Skipper against him, mm-hmm. and then go, I'm clashing with you. Why? Because you know the top card of your library, and I want to know the top card of your library. Now we both get to know what's on top of your deck. Ah, gotta love public public information. Gotta love it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you look at this 2-mana 1-1 fairy and go, what's the point? Well, I at least know your next play, if it's coming. Oh, it died. What's the top card of your deck? Why are you going to look at mine? Because you tutored. What is it? (laughs) And it's, it's, it's very funny to watch somebody... Be like, I don't want to reveal it. No, but I want you to reveal but it. But I want you to reveal it. And uh, by the uh, last time I checked, uh, the printings of a card betray the rules of a regular commander game. So oh, yeah. uh, you got to show me what that card do, <laughs> what that is. By, by the power invested in me, turn it over. <laughs> flip flip that shit. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Anything else that you want to uh, point out about the deck before we move on to the other um, topic uh, that we have for today's episode? Yeah, um, the only thing I could actually say to a lot of people out there, because we're talking about Pauper EDH, for those who don't know, uh, Pauper EDH is where you play a uncommon creature or legendary as your commander um your commander in pauper does not have to be legendary it just needs to be uncommon in some way uh if you're running a background the background has to be the same rarity so it's not like you can run say gut true soul sell it and then run a green rare background has to stay has to remain uncommon or common and then the rest of the deck has to be commons you take for granted what a lot of common cards could do. And when you're just looking at specifically commons, yeah, you actually get a better idea as to how to build. Because like you said at the top of the show, for me, restrictions do breed creativity. Um, and I like make mischief is two in a red for a sorcery. It deals one damage to target creature or player. Put a 1-1 red devil token onto the battlefield. It has, when this creature dies, it deals one damage to target creature or player. That, not a good card. In this deck, I mean, it's subpar, but that's besides <laughs> it's, it, it's fun, and it does exactly what the deck wants to do. It gives it, it, it does something above just giving me a body on the battlefield. Devil tokens are great for this deck. If I could, I would run Zariel. She would be amazing in this list. She's a mythic. 
Um, Samazariel. Uh, oh, wait. He's um, the mono-red planeswalker from uh, the D&D set. Oh, uh, the the one that makes also makes devils. Yeah, I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, du- uh, Archduke of Avernus, uh, which played through that module, Descent into Avernus, another card that sees a ton of play. Uh, that it is a... Whew, man, it is a story. Uh, yeah, Descent descent into Avernus, the card, uh, is, uh, very good and makes games go a lot faster. Uh, Empress Quinn oh, yeah. is a big fan of that card, and I, too, am also a big fan of that card. I, she, she played that against me, and I used it to kill her. I dropped her and the other opponents a life total just yeah. low enough that when the second Descent Fit. counter went on, it would kill them and leave <laughs> me alive. Uh, yeah. Faye Stan... Uh, a banger card that reduces the that reduces twi- life totals in a meaningful way for the progression of the game for the good of all giving treasures uh while also dealing damage over the course of the game adds up super duper quick and it makes people make more explosive and sometimes incredibly dangerous plays i think it was actually my devil may cry deck that went up against that i think nero transformed hit both of my opponents for three and then uh, the Descent to Avernus hit them both for four and killed them both. I could be wrong on that one. Quinn, if you listen to this, you can correct me. Yeah, play more. everyone play more Descent into Avernus. Guaranteed, nothing will go wrong. It's all Both great. the card and the module. They both. You get into D&D. Yeah, get into D&D, because I definitely am not. Anyway, <laughs> I don't play enough. I wish I did. But anyway. That's fair. Um, all right. Episode's done, but not really. Uh, cause we, uh, cause you were the, you were the person I, I, I thought of. I'm like, if we're, if we're going to talk about anything, we're going to talk about Devil May Cry. Uh, I might as well have you in on it. Cause if it wasn't going to be me, it was, if it wasn't going to be you, it was going to be Crow. And I know Crow's busy right now. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, Devil May Cry. Okay. We got 20 minutes. We totally got time. So Devil May Cry is a, depending on the terminology that you use for your video games is a character action. And some people don't like that term, but whatever is a character action game series that was made by Capcom back in 2001. Oh, it was that early. I think, I think DMC one came out in Oh, one. Oh shit. Well, the more, you know, so, it was originally uh, made as a prototype of Resident Evil 4 before they realized that they kind of had something with the the the, cur- the engine that they were working with, where you could, like, juggle people, juggle enemies and everything. Um, and then what ended up happening was that it was such a rousing success that they immediately blundered Devil May Cry 2 as it was going through development hell and ah. there was an exchange of uh of who was the director and then um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the poor guy who realized who came in way too late tried to put out the fire couldn't do it in time and then devil may cry 2 came out and everyone's like well this is hot garbage uh i don't know if uh will i don't know if you um if you know who wooly wools is yes um uh, if anyone who knows who the Super Best Friends were and who Castle Super Beast is, and if you know Wooly Wolves or Pat Stares at, uh, those guys are fucking hilarious. I love them. Um, but there was there was uh, this uh, there was this 
they were going to play uh, Devil May Cry like as the series, but they were like, no, we're going to skip two because it's absolute trash. Um, and then what they ended up doing was they sh- uh, Wooly showed off an old catalog of photos that he had of him playing dmc2 for the first time and it was like it was initially like he like the weight of the world was off his shoulders he was happy he was smiling nothing could possibly ruin his day and then it was just the slow descent into madness of of just how notoriously bad the game was um and it's it's just beautiful uh we will not go further into the discussion of devil may cry 2 because what really kind of kicked off like if if dmc1 is considered solid as a sort of like proof of concept prototype stage whatever you want to call it and and made a resounding success of a of a series and we skip over two and i don't know maybe even skip over dmc devil may cry why would you call it that i don't know Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening, is like the be- one of the best games of all time, period. I um, mean, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I uh I got so so let's talk about what the basic premise is, because we're obviously talking about a game in the most bare basic terms, and obviously it's like Devil May Cry. Well, what does that mean? So the main character, who's the name of Dante, is a half-human, half-demon uh, devil hunter who has a big fuck-off uh, like greatsword on his back with a stylish red trench coat or like duster or whatever, depending on which game you're in, uh, and a shock of white hair. And he goes out because his family died when he was a kid, and specifically his oh, mom. Yeah. And he's like, well, my life sucks because demons came after me because my dad was a super big badass of the underworld. So they were like, time to go ruin their life. And so they did. And so he's like, cool, I'm going to go take now it out. I'm going to ruin theirs. And now I'm going to ruin theirs. So what happens when demons are like, wait, but why is this half-breed uh, loser like so good at like, beating us? It's like, yeah, it's that human stuff, I guess, you know. Turns out human genetics with demon blood kind of weird, do weird fucked up shit. Um... So then, yeah, so Dante's like, cool, I got this sword, I got these cool devil powers, I can infinitely generate, like, demon bullets out of my guns, so I don't need to reload. Uh, don't worry about how he learned how to do that, or how that makes sense, doesn't matter. All you do is, like, Devil May Cry 4, no, you didn't see that scene where he shot actual bullets, it didn't it it, it 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 mattered but it didn't matter but it was it cool it totally happens but it, <laughs> that's besides the point so yeah um oh god like where do you even start the basic bare bones is that you take control of these more often than not like for most of the series you take control of these white-haired devil hunters of which there are a handful, but we'll get into that in the next little bit because we still got or 15. Or black and then it goes Or black white. and then it goes white, or then it's black because you're human, or it's blonde because you're a copy of a mom. That gets weird. Don't worry about we it. We don't even get into that one because that's Oedipus level shit. Um, anyone who says Trish is a love interest, I think did not play Devil May Cry 3. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone wants to ignore... Anyway, that's a whole. Mm, yeah, they see hot demon mommy, and they're just like, "Yes, can, love can, interest." And she you go, can. You forget that she's hot because she looks like Dante's mother. 
which means Dante's mom is hot, which means if Dante thinks she's hot, we got some issues. But anyway, um, so the basic premise is that from a young age, obviously Dante and his twin brother Virgil have like supernatural powers, which allows them to be like super duper strong and everything. Um, and at some point, because of the legacy that the two of them had and that the fact that, again, they're they're the demon lord Sparta, the demon knight, the dark knight, whatever. Like he has so many titles. He Batman. Batman. He, Demon Batman. Uh, he woke up to justice. Translation? Which question mark. A, which is such a bad Such phrase, an awkward way. phrase. Uh, and then he fought with humans against demons for like thousands of years until he died or, or disappeared. Question mark. Um, leaving his wife, his human wife, and his two sons, to which then they got attacked by this demon's demon. Anyway... Basic. Pre- I'm skipping the gameplay. So you style super hard over these demons by using sword combos, you your guns. So you are so good at your job. You literally just style on people. Yeah, there's a there's a meter that says how good are you are styling on these people on these demons, and it goes and from quick. Yeah, I looked it up. August twenty third, two thousand and one was the release of Devil May Cry one. There you go. Capcom was on fire that year. They also released years old. Mega Man Battle Network oh. one around that point. Anyway, or maybe no, also number two. I can't remember. So basically, we're kind of going back and forth. Like Devil May Cry one is actually like the third part, or no, the second oh. game. But then Devil May Cry three is, is at, which is like one of the greatest games and like the beginning of the story is actually. Yeah, the first part and the Devil May Cry 5 is oh, actually yeah. the fifth part. But anyway, like, hmm. and, and so essentially you're styling on these demons, figuring out, hey, what's going on in this island in uh, number one? And then you're like, hey, what's going on in this tower that shot up in the middle of the city? Did my brother, did my quote unquote evil uh, twin brother Virgil do this? Um in which case, in Devil May Cry 3, you go up to the top of the tower in the middle of the rain, where these two twin brothers are, like, staring each other down, and you have the very western, brash, wild, red Oni on one side, where Dante is like, hey, I'm a badass, and then you have the stoic, cold, like, uh, super slick, katana-wielding Virgil on the other side, who's like, I'm too not cool for not you. Not after I stab you. Not a, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I'm such a badass Virgil, and Virgil's like, but what if I stabbed you, though? And he's like, why would you, oh, I got stabbed. And he's like, cool. And after I stabbed you, I'm gonna grab your sword, and I'm gonna stab you in the chest again. Dante gets stabbed in the chest a lot of times throughout the games. So don't worry about it. He just heals it off, because he's got demon powers. There's so much damage. He shrugs off. Uh, oh God. Um, yeah, I think I think you touched on pretty much everything. Uh, if if you are in, um, what's oh God? What is the thing? Uh, like I could talk about so many memes. If anyone has ever seen a meme where you've heard someone go like sword trick, sword royal gun, like in that order you've 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 encountered a devil may cry meme uh devil may cry 5 was released in 2018 uh 18 or 19 where to 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 like a big applause the world over because we never thought that series was coming back they're like i screamed 
Oh, I was so excited. I was like, no way. Absolutely no way. It was fucking wild. Uh, Nero having a fucking... Anyway, so we're gonna... There's, so there's a bunch of characters, but there's not really a bunch of characters. And then there's like... Turns out someone had a kid and good old Uncle Dante is like, I'm not gonna tell him we're related. And uh, I, named, I named my I cat after... he's my uncle. I named my cat after Nero. Um, Did you? Yeah. Turns out Nero's a bit of a troublemaker, and that makes me laugh. Um, Nero's the one of the commanders of my uh, one of my commander decks. Uh, as a, oh yeah, as a so um, and you know, because of my absolute, because of our absolute love of Devil May Cry, will you made a a, a theme deck where you made the double faced um, Avicen into Nero and both his human and demon side, uh, and right. I collaborated uh, with the group over at um uh children of lara uh where i did a sort of deck tech video on uh a a ishin two heavens is one deck that was themed around virgil the 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 anti villain twin brother of the main character who's also white haired and has super sick demon powers but he wears blue which makes him infinitely cooler and he wields a katana and the big jokes is he's like He's actually just a big weeb, and he's like, I've gloriously pwned steel folded over <laughs> a thousand times, and, and a big, big <laughs> honor, and, like, all this dumb shit, where it's like, he just, it's, it's, and, like, what I find funny is that I'm like, okay, so a very blatantly obvious Japanese game developer made a Western-themed guy and thought the best way to contrast him was to get this pale-skinned, white-haired, blue-eyed dude in a trench coat with a katana. And, like, they just don't care, and that's fucking great, because he's one of the greatest video game characters of all time. He is... He is the definite... Like, quite frankly, when you rank the number of katana characters, he's easily in the top three. Probably, if not number one, like, right behind Sephiroth. Another white-haired katana wielder with a trench coat. We don't get into it. Yeah, and he's definitely much more um, popular than... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I'm stumbling over myself here. Sorry, I thought someone knocked on my door. Um, Sephiroth's, like, obviously the much more popular and more well-known oh, yeah. white-haired katana pretty boy in japanese video game media but like that's fine because virgil's pretty much close second except maybe if near somehow got more popular over time oh yeah that that's fair that's fair um yeah the the inspiration behind the deck uh i did not go to the lengths that you and children of alara did with building an entire deck instead what i did was uh i worked with the same person who made the made the altars uh, for the Virgil deck, and my quick thing was <laughs> sorry, don't mind that. I just I had to send that to you in the middle I'm sorry. of this. I'm sorry, everyone. I got sent a meme in the middle of us talking of, about Virgil. Um, so yeah, when I built the deck, I was like, what is if I'm not going to build an entire deck around Virgil's life? Um, what moments and or characters mean the most? So. Uh, Nero is Archangel Avison. Uh, it flips over. Uh, I called him Nero, Humanity's Protector. And then his backside is Nero, Devil Awakened. 
uh, and it, it just it shows him. It, it's got the nice full head-on shot of the uh, of him in his double trigger state, and then I was like, "All right, what moments are really important in his story that to represent it?" So I went with uh, Red Queen and Blue Rose, which got represented as Blazing Sun Steel, which is a card that uh, it, it's an equipment. It gives plus one plus zero for each opponent you have, so up to plus three plus zero, but Whenever the equipped creature takes damage, deals that much damage to any target. Uh, so the idea was that the pluses come from him wielding a giant sword that he revs like a motorcycle, unlike Dante, who uses a motorcycle as a sword. We don't get into that either. We, no, but actually, but wait, what if we do, though? <laughs> because. Uh, the real, yeah, uh, God, Dante. Because, I, uh, I, I, just real quick, we, Stephen would be. Okay. The real quick statement is, just, obviously it's a ridiculous game because it's the power fantasy of a dude with demon powers going against the forces of hell, where he can literally launch a dude up in the air with his sword, jump up with it, and then just, like, continuously slash it, it like, in place, and it just doesn't die. So you just continuously style on it. And when I mean style, I mean, like, you're using sword combos and doing whatever the hell else to keep it juggled in the air. Like, if anyone knows fighting games, juggling, like, keeping it juggled up in the air... And in the meanwhile, there's, like, a super sick song going off in the background, which, depending on which game you're playing, five, uh, the, the, the song changes depending on what, st what, what part of the style meter you're on, going from the D to triple. beautiful in that game. I'm so sorry. No, sorry. no, because I, uh, then the, they announced special edition, and then they were like, hey, do you want this, do you want this one theme to keep playing in literally every single level for Virgil as you're playing Virgil from the Devil and May the Cry shocking, series. <laughs> and shocking part is the answer is yes. Uh, Casey Edwards and Victor, Bor and, and Victor Borba killed it. They fucking nailed it. I was oh so, God, I, yes. I know, I know um, oh. Casey, Casey Edwards kind of like has been over the years been like, guys, for fuck's sake, I do other music. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do other music <laughs> as I'm a poor musician in America trying to raise a newborn baby with my wife. Can you please leave me alone? I know the song is great. I feel like it could be better. And meanwhile, everyone's like, uh, how can I make a half an hour? Like the song is already like over six and a half minutes. How can I, or nine and a half oh, yeah. minutes, excuse me. How can I, how can I cobble together different versions of the song to make it a 30 minute power ballad and have thunder and lightning go off like during the song? Um, and it, cause yeah, no, bury the light is a fucking banger song. And, uh, uh, oh, marvelous. Thanks Capcom. Yeah. Right. I, it, it, my favorite part was a, 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 a really quick in one of the interviews. He mentioned that they told him no guitars, no guitars, in yeah, Virgil, in, in Virgil's song, and that he showed up at the meeting and went, "But what if I did?" <laughs> and they were just like, "This is dope, yeah, release this." <laughs> I like the idea that he went, "Hey, I know the assignment you gave me, but how about no?" I just thought it was so funny that like hearing more and more about it, like obviously. Like, they knew they had to bring it back because of, of the absolute, like, mixed opinions of what DMC Devil, <coughs> DMC, <coughs> DMC Devil May Cry was. Um, and then they kind of remedied that with a definitive edition, which, like, still doesn't endear me to it because they absolutely, like, took all the characters and made them unrecognizable. They gave that 
games Virgil a fucking fedora. Fuck off with that shit. It's so dumb. Um, and they're like, all right, how do we do okay, the big so comeback? <laughs> I have an opinion about that game that a lot of people do not agree with me about. Which is that it's good? If you removed the Devil May Cry name yes and change the character's name yeah that game is phenomenal yes i thought i thought that the combat system while while color-coded enemies i thought was strange and, and I then they changed kind of like, it eh. the definitive edition thank god it, right and then uh but the idea of this the, the the exploration was well done i thought the story was pretty compelling it done in the environment that it was good i was like this is all good and then when you're like oh this is supposed to be dante and virgil so no for me, dog. I, <laughs> but what uh, if you literally just like took the like if you rename people and literally was like this is not a Devil May Cry game, this is just some new good game. IP, Sold. great game, fantastic, great. Yep. Everyone's a fucking doucher. I love it. Uh, at least oh, I yeah. know people are douchers, but like for fuck's sake, it was so bad. Like <sighs> anyway, that's a whole that's a whole other episode in itself, and we're already pushing our luck here. But yeah, Devil May Cry is a. Uh, uh, mostly good game series, which is a very weird thing to say, but like oh, yeah. its highs are high as fuck, like astronomically stratospheric in like am in amazement. If you like like character action games with like rad music and combos and like ways that you can challenge yourself, um, or it's like it's mid and like you're entitled to your opinion, but oh, also yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but also fuck you. <laughs> I I did uh, on my actual streaming on, on my own streaming channel before I moved over to Magic the Dungeoning, I um I legitimately played I did a series called Scruffy Does, which is I played through game series in chronological order. Mm -hmm. I played through the entire Devil May Cry series in chronological order. So for the games, it's three, one, two, four, five. I thought it was four two. No wait, so I no they, wait. The they, the they re never mind. Sorry, take that back. They retconned that in five. Oh, I'm sorry. They they swapped that in five. In five, right? Um, yeah, that's because right. there's originally an art book release called three one four two. Four two, yeah. Which was which was like, oh, okay. So this is the this is the the, the chronological order, and then Devil May Five Five came out, and they were like, nope. It he definitely lost himself for a bit, came back funnier, and also the <laughs> anime is a thing. Oh yeah, the anime is also uh, a thing. Yeah, would, would I like how they they spent more time on that on that summary. They spent more time on the anime than <laughs> Devil May Cry Two. They're like Devil May Cry Two happened. You're like, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it definitely did. Um, but all in all, it is one of my favorite game series, and uh, I'd like to shout out something that I did, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go onto uh, our YouTube, uh, Magic the Dungeonings YouTube. Uh, has our giant circle with the MTD in it. Uh, we actually did something called Campaign May Cry. I did an entire role-playing campaign set in the universe of Devil May Cry, where um, it was set two years after the events of Devil May Cry 5. The government opened up a bunch of, of Devil May Cry organizations all over the world, and the group dealt with this individual who, this individual demon who was just called the Broker. And so I got to make all these kind of demons, and I built a Devil Trigger-ish system into the role playing of the game, and I had a ton of fun doing that. 
uh, it was it is absolutely my love letter to a series that teach you that teaches you that just because you are blood does not mean you have to get along and you do not have to love the people you are related to. Which is also a very good relevant uh depending on the person, uh, a pretty good and relevant, uh, life lesson as well. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, to basically sum up, uh, this popper P this popper deck is great. I do. I love the concept. I don't think I'll be playing popper commander suit, but that's neither here nor there. And, uh, that's fine. Uh, but I will, however, be continuously playing devil may cry because that game series is sweet. And it makes me want to go boot it up, but I can't do that Can because I got... share yeah. one fun little factoid. Yes. So I, like I mentioned, I played through the whole series. I got my first ever Twitch mute on Devil May Cry Five. For what? I know, right? So in that game, in Devil May Cry Five, there is a new character introduced called V. Oh, there's a whole bunch of story stuff related to him. If you want to find, I'm not going to do any spoiler warnings, but one of the things in the game is he's obsessed with poetry and uh, he does not read like made up poetry. It's actually William Blake's poems. Yes. Um, which he's a very melancholic writer. He's a very akin to Edgar Allan Poe. So if you like Edgar Allan Poe stuff, you'd probably like a lot of William Blake stuff as well. In the cutscenes, uh, you have no control over if he reads the poems or not. So nothing happens. But during one of the boss fights, I was reading the poem to regain uh, DT. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. My monitors flashed, so I saw nothing. Um. Yeah. So you. So he he reads the book during still... combat to. No, I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. So sorry about that because my monitors went completely black. My uh, sincerest apology. So yeah. Um. You can read the book, and he reads actual William Blake poetry. That got muted. <gasps> what? I chose, I chose to read the poem. That's a loud. game I mechanic. I, it, it, you know what? It's one of those things that I'm like, you know what? It's, it's only like five to six minutes of muted audio, so it's not a huge deal. It's not even a mute. It's not even a song. What the fuck? I, I, I it's, it's the craziest thing. But it's the only time I've ever been muted, uh, especially because in the one cutscene, he says, uh, he he reads off the poem line of he who does nothing oh he who breeds not pestilence breeds hate and it, it i it's hell if i know what that line means but like that didn't get muted i thought that, that was interesting and then i realized i was like i was like i've read poems at other points during that gameplay and then i realized there's a solid 30 seconds where i'm just reading the poems so it, i guess it was the length of time that it was being done kind of like a legal limit because i think you can get like 15 to 30 seconds of a song before you'd have to pay royalties yeah and so i guess it was the same thing where you were like ah two lines from yeah to the estate of edgar Allan poe like the fuck yeah it was the the funniest thing but technically speaking i never knew the reason but that's what i have to assume that is super duper weird but hey the more you know it's so funny right thanks twitch yeah also the line is he who desires but acts not breeds pestilence that's it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It, it it was better. It was way better than what I said. So yeah, um, Will, thank uh, thank you for for coming on to have a chat with me today. It was super fun. Thank you so much for having me.
And uh, once again, where can people find you? You can find me at a couple different places. You can find me at twitch.tv. Mainly, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Magic the Dungeoning, where we play a D&D campaign set in the universe of Magic the Gathering. But we're not stuck on one plane. We are planeswalkers. We go all over the place. We've been to Theros. We fought in the War of the Spark. We've been to Zendikar. But the important story arc we just went through was Toxic Echoes of War, where Calden went back to his home plane to fight against Phyrexians who were invading, led by Gix and his Phyrexianized self from an alternate timeline. But what about Aftermath? So, <laughs> I, st- I still have a spark, so screw Nyssa. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Nyssa, we're just Bill different. <laughs> It, it, I granted we're not that far in the timeline. Thank God. Okay. Calden will probably lose his spark if my luck if my luck goes the way I think it goes. Fucking me. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, links for all that will be in the episode notes as usual. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.